You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined this week by... Matt Hadrahan. Rebecca Valentine. And uh, Chris Tring. Lots to talk about this week, primarily around Epic Games. Um, we're going to just give you the headlines first and we're going to delve deeper into each of these points. Main news is that Unreal Engine 5 has been announced. This was showcased with a gameplay tech demo uh, that was built for the PlayStation 5. Around this uh, announcement, they also revealed that the limit at which they claim royalties for Unreal-powered games has been raised to $1 million. So developers now have to have a game that makes $1 million before Epic starts claiming royalties on it. They're also launching uh, the Epic Online Services SDK, which, among other things, enables other developers to support cross-play across different platforms, obviously drawing from the Fortnite tech. And Fortnite has been confirmed as a launch title for the next-generation consoles. So PS5 and XX will have Fortnite on day one one let's start with the kind of the developer centric news um we'll get into the engine later the royalty limit i think is fantastic again it's one of those moves that they can only do because they are earning so much damn money from fortnite but i think it's it's i think it's good to see that yeah indie developers can make unreal engine powered games for for free or rather use have access to that tech for free and not have to worry about paying back uh, a percentage of their royalties until they're earning a million dollars in revenue so i do kind of want to question whether it's because of all the money they're earning from fortnite i have no real particular knowledge of Epic's finances at the moment. Um, but I, I saw some developers, so I've seen a lot of in, independent developers talking about it on Twitter, right? Because the previous threshold um, for the 5% uh, royalties was uh, $50,000 in revenue. And the difference between $50,000 in revenue and a million dollars in revenue is absolutely enormous if you're an independent developer. Um, so the thing's essentially free if you're an indie at this point. Um, and I, I've seen some people saying that it was it, it, there's a possibility that the reason they were able to do this and willing to do this is because it is maybe more work than it's worth to go go after indies for that five percent royalty cut when at at that low a threshold, right? Like it it, it seems it seems like the the amount of money they were getting from those games was so small that it was not worth the work to do it and it's only worth it once you hit that million dollar threshold it doesn't it doesn't diminish the fact that it's a really good thing to yeah do. i mean there, there is a huge dif- there's a huge gap between 50 i i, I think there's definitely that argument makes sense at a value of fifty thousand dollars it makes less sense at a value of nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars or at least there's a there's a big difference between those two i mean the thing with this is it's not you know uh, again I, I think like you rebecca i, I would not question the idea that Fortnite doesn't make this possible because it, it, it does to some degree. Like it's an enormously successful game, but but I don't think Epic would be doing this as like a loss-making enterprise. They've obviously done the calculus on this and decide, you know, that, that they can make money this way. And maybe it's that this is enormously generous, and you have to wonder why anyone would use any other engine unless you have very very specific requirements. Now you've got this. Well, why would you use Unity? Well, you know, you can make a mobile game using using Unreal. You can make games of all kinds using Unreal. That's a, that's a push they made 10 years ago, and they've done a pretty good job of that. Um, Unreal is generally considered to be, like, the, the most capable engine that you can get. Now it's also an engine where you can make a million dollars. You can make $999,999 or whatever and not have to give a single penny for having used it, which is completely brilliant. It's unbelievable. Um but by offering that, by offering that, but by offering that, I think, is it that by offering that you'll get enough games that make a more than a million dollars to cover the cost and be a profitable company? Because you're effectively just 
giving people no reason. Like you're giving every developer no reason not to come with you, and you become the ubiquitous engine by a distance. Yeah, and I, I'm sure I'll mention this again later in our conversation about kind of the other things that Epic is doing here, because they did have quite a bit of news here. Um, but I, t- I did talk to um, Tim Sweeney, Kim LeBrary, and Nick Penwarden about all, just all of this. And, you know, I, I kind of asked them, you know, why why be so generous on all these fronts because many of the many of the offers they're extending do seem you know kind of unreasonably generous from epic and it's very much about getting people into their ecosystem they want people tied to epic games in some way whether that's because they're using the engine or as we'll talk about later because they're using their online services or you know for for whatever reason they are somehow tied to epic and ultimately that gets them more more people using their stuff and more players using their stuff and eventually spending money on their stuff. And so it's all kind of tied to making this sort of epic games system metaverse kind of thing where everybody is just sort of connected to them. And so I, th- there's definitely there's definitely a motive here. Well, it's beyond, it's beyond games as well. Um, it's increasingly used at Enterprise. I talked to a studio head about this very idea they're kind of like a services company they do work for a bunch of different clients including non-games clients and the non-games clients are more and more interested in people that know how to use a game engine because pretty much every business kind of works in that virtual way now and the the guy who ran this company said that you know unreal engine is on the verge of being having as much influence as windows did when windows emerged first emerged right that it's not a game engine it is just the window into doing all kinds of business from now on so even just thinking about it as a game thing might actually be a little bit too limiting that the epic's playing on a much much broader field now than than we're kind of accustomed to from a game engine company hmm. there is a there's another benefit to this and this is something that uh, uh, I'm not going to name them because it was on Facebook but it's a major games company uh, the head of that major games company said um, and um, she said that um, what this allows us to do is it saves us so much money that we can start enhancing our games in other ways we can now invest more in things like motion capture and um, voiceovers and narrative and all this kind of thing and it, for those who have already got budgets and if you're an investor as well you've got that opportunity now to invest in something and knowing for well that actually that money can be spent in other ways, in other areas of the game, which enhances the game, potentially makes the game better, potentially makes the game more successful. Um, it's not, you know, better games don't just necessarily be successful on their own, we know that, but, um, and that alone makes m- more games that make a million, more games that you know, Epic can make money from, but also, you know, generally raises the bar for the games industry, which is the whole point of Unreal, really, is every generation they want to raise that bar. and if. And it's not just about raising the bar of the games at the top, which, you know, I guess we'll come on to. It's about raising the bar for those games that are perhaps not quite so, um, that don't have as many, don't have 500 people agonising over every detail. So it's, um, it has that element to it, I think. I'll be intrigued to see the impact on Unity, um, because as, as Matt said, like, why on earth would you use any other engine? And it, it kind of feels to me that Unity still feels like the go-to engine for indies. Like, no matter, most indie projects, I see most indie games I play, usually get, like, the kind of little Made in Unity logo. And I, I personally haven't played or seen many indie games done with Unreal. I know they're out there, but I haven't seen any. So with this with this out there now and then all you know the online services as well and all these different um different you know offers they're making like the the online services like uh, to briefly touch on that the the cross play i saw someone else um uh, on facebook or twitter like again kind of head of a games company saying like this this is the big news never mind unreal engine 5 never on the the royalty limit cross play 
being enabling any studio to make a game that can be played across all systems, all formats, and therefore growing your audience as an indie without having to sell versions to different people. You know, like you don't have an Xbox community and a PlayStation community. You just have a community. That's huge, and that hopefully will help all these kind of ambitious multiplayer indies. I'm just intrigued to see what on earth Unity can do to kind of compete with that. Well, I, th- I think that's probably where Fortnite comes in, though, right? That Fortnite's not bankrolling this stuff, but that's a hell of a security blanket, right? That's a hell of a foundation to be able to work from. Unity just has its engine business and nothing else. So I, I don't, I yeah. don't see how Unity can possibly match these kinds of gambles. That it's not, it's not possible for them. I mean, Unity was was raising money, you know, hundreds of millions as recently as three years ago because it just doesn't have that sort of money readily to hand. Um, I think I think this is epic pulling away, you know, um, in, a, in a fairly yeah, fashion. I wanted to point out, too, that Unity actually raised its rates uh, back in October. Uh, they So they do, they do a thing. They have Unity Personal, which is free to use if you have revenue or funding under $100,000 annually, which is just so far, far away from what Unreal is doing. And then they have pro licenses that are now $150 a month and plus licenses, which are... Uh, $40 a month, and those are for people with um, less than $200,000 in revenue or funding in the last year. And so just the the astronomical difference in how yeah. much you have to pay for those two things. And also, but it's like, it really is in keeping with what Epic has been doing. You know, it's the, the 8812 uh, rev split on the store. I mean, that's very much about going, you know, the, looking at the industry standard and saying, you know what, we can still make money if we give away more. And by giving away more, we get more people to come into our world. And but the more people are part of our world, the less that generosity, and I'm speculating here, the less that generosity is actually purely about generosity because it ultimately ends up with them making more money. Um, and they seem to be doing that again with the engine market, right? Like this is the way it works right now. Does it have to work that way? If we give more away, do we ultimately end up gaining more? And that's the thing that I was thinking when I was reading your interview with them, Rebecca, because Tim, Tim Sweeney's talking about, oh, you know, we want everybody to be together and you know for there to be sunshine and rainbows and all this stuff and i'm like dude like you're not a charity like obviously there is a very real financial bet i mean i'm not being that cynical like i these are good things but the, but the thing, thing is but it's like uh, but, but when you start to think about the imp- the financial implications of this if it works out it's astronomical. Like you start to think about how influential Epic would become if if all of these different things start to work work out. Like if the store continues to get bigger and better, if the publishing continues to go up and up, if Fortnite becomes a platform for every industry to launch products, if if you know if if every if there's a mass migration of developers away from Unity and towards Epic, I mean there there won't be many outside of platform holders, and I would argue actually even more than platform holders, they would be the most influential company in the industry. Mm. I'm yeah, also but... thinking about, sorry, I'm also thinking about Chris's point from earlier too, because if, if what Chris said earlier about, you know, game, games being able to allocate resources elsewhere and therefore, you know, do, doing better financially and then eventually making over that million dollar th- threshold, becoming better known and more mm-hmm. popular games, then there's also a PR move there too, mm-hmm. because then Unreal has all of these really good games that people remember and know about, and they have that kind of splash screen at the beginning that says made in Unreal, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it becomes known as this engine that all the good games are made in. It, it, is, it isn't all about, though, money. 
Right. I mean, I understand that you know, Epic's re- Unreal is a really good engine, and they're doing great deals, and everyone's thinking, "Well, we've got to go with Unreal." But I don't. I mean, it might have changed a little bit over the years. But the idea is that Unity was always a lot easier to make games in than Unreal. In fact, I I remember, um, uh, and I'm obviously going to name drop Sea of Thieves. Um, but Sea of Thieves was developed in Unity and then transferred over to Unreal. <laughs> Um, because they needed to, they needed to iterate on it quickly, and, and they found Unreal was a lot slower. The games looked a lot nicer, and was it was a lot more powerful. But in order, when they were trying to iterate and try things and test things, put something in the game, realize it doesn't work, take it out, put something else in the game. Unity was the preferred um, engine for them. They used both, and I think that's, um, I think that's something that's interesting, you know, because because also it's not in Epic's nat- it's not in Epic's. Um, Ideals, and we'll, we'll see whether or not it's just PR or if it's to actually be dominant at all. They want, they want, you know, they want the competition. That's the reason why they're going up against Valve. They think that's that's dangerous, and I think they, and in, in that sense, them being the dominant engine would also be um, dangerous, right? But but then, but you know, if they become the dominant age, uh, engine, I don't imagine that they would dismantle their own company, so they wouldn't be anymore, right? Like, I, no, but, no. But, but, so I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you in that. I I don't believe that. When I say, like, imagine the financial implications of this, I don't actually, I'm not framing Tim Sweeney as some sort, you know, like a Jeff Jeff Bezos type figure, just like scheming his way <laughs> to a trillion dollars in, in material wealth or whatever. It's more that they are, seem to genuinely be trying to write uh, some uh, imbalances in the industry. So, like, storefronts take too much money off developers for the, for the, for the returns that they give to them. So let's do something about that. Publishing deals don't favour the developer enough. Let's do something about that. Um, there are too many games being made, giving too much money away for, for for engines. Let's do something. There does seem to be, and you know, with the crossplay stuff as well. But I think by by doing all of those things, I think they end up in a position where they are the very thing that they're trying to tackle at the moment, which is to say, like an enormously enormously influential company. Um, that's the thing because I, I, it would have been good if Marie was here actually because we the the academy section of the site which is sort of like a tutorials guides insights driven uh, part of what, what our editorial offering we do guides to engines and so Marie's written and uh, re- done a lot of research and wrote engine guides to both unity and unreal and the thing with the unreal one was we were actually <laughs> there was a point where she was like I need to try and find things that are wrong with the unreal engine because there's like 10 advantages and one disadvantage and that was not the case with any other engine so it's definitely the case that there was a time when unity had very distinct advantages over unreal and i'm not saying there aren't any anymore i'm just saying that epic has done a lot to diminish those and right now you can make a small game and i i know potentially they're kind of less visible and i do think the unity remains an engine that's quite attractive for people with maybe less program experience or people that need to iterate super super quickly but i know that the epic have done a lot of work on the super quick iteration front and frankly the people with very few programming skills are not the ones that are going to be making more than a million dollars as a rule so i just think that the 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 direction epic is going is this great combination of, of sort of fairly altruistic motives but that could become just unbelievably lucrative for it down the line Continuing the discussion about Epic, then um, there was a brief little bit of news uh, that Fortnite. I say brief. This is this is fairly big. Fortnite is going to be on next gen consoles. It's going to be available day one for PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. Um, 
perhaps to be expected. Obviously, like they, they've emphasised, you know, this is not a new Fortnite. This is just a next-gen version of the current Fortnite. It's still going to be on Unreal Engine 4. It's going to be migrated to Unreal, Unreal Engine 5 in, in mid-2021. Um, which, But it's, it's going to be a version that apparently takes advantage of the hardware for the next-generation consoles. Um, more details on that as and when we know what those are. Um this kind of I, I wanted to touch on this because like, this this makes sense to me like you know biggest game in the world and like the, just the the nature of games as an entertainment medium versus books films whatever like there is no technological advance that suddenly stops you from being able to read a book or stops you from being able to watch a film but games have these kind of points where right you need a powerful enough machine to run this you need to you know the aren't going to be as many users on this version etc so we have these kind of barriers every five to seven years it makes sense that yep okay fortnite the biggest game of the last couple of years is going to continue at the risk of going on a tangent i do wonder if we're going to see other games migrate to next-gen consoles like will we see like a gta online for ps5 and xbox series x because otherwise when the new consoles come out that's almost a hard stop almost a hard stop obviously like they'll continue supporting the the, the current gen versions but that's that kind of puts a a deadline on right this is the beginning of the end because as and when this audience dwindles we're gonna shift to the next console james come on the answer to the question <laughs> is gta 5 and gta online going to be on the next generation of consoles is yes like <laughs> it depends on how popular of the course. game is like there's like any yeah you would be absolutely crazy to have a really really popular game on the current generation of consoles and just call it a day on that and then just move on and, and do something else for the next one of course in fact i think ubisoft has very explicitly said that it does not want to make um it doesn't want what it doesn't want to divide its audience up by, across generational lines and of course i mean you know fortnite was always going to be on the next consoles because why would epic be pushing for everybody playing together across platforms and then just abandon the ps4 that's that's just not what games are anymore you know at least that kind of game I still think there could be a distinct advantage if your game isn't doing so well um, on the current gen that you could use the generational step as a way to kind of launch the next the next game in the series and maybe to, like restart your community from there. But anything that's pulling in lots and lots of players right now, why on earth would the creator of that game want to start over just because there's a new platform? I, th I think also yeah. the platforms, the, the consoles this time around would be made with continuity in mind in a way that they really weren't. Uh, the last gen or even uh, certainly not the gen before that but continuity is now a big big thing uh, for, for the platform holders as well yeah I think Ubisoft is actually an interesting example because they not referring to next generation but they kind of had an interesting example of this recently um, last year um, during one of their quarterly financials is the one is the one where they delayed everything and said that things just weren't going well um, they were talking about I believe it was the division two and I think Ghost Recon Wildlands is correct uh, but it was basically these two instances where they had they had these good, very popular games, these things that already existed that had you know big player bases that were playing online for several years, and they made a new version of both of those games um, that they released. And the games were good; there wasn't anything wrong with the games. But they they had a really hard time getting these large player bases to migrate from the previous game to the new one because the other one was fine. Like, why would they move? And so I think that's something that we're probably going to see, especially especially since there are so many more games that are 
online and, you know, playing, you know, this long game of, you know, several years of ongoing content or whatever, you know, moving on to the next generation of consoles, um, it, it's going to make more sense to release the thing that already has this massive player base um, and just re-release it and have, you know, it be cross-platform with everything else than it is to release something that's exclusive and separate and new. But obviously Fortnite doesn't have that problem because Fortnite is, you know, on everything and across everything and hmm. exists in this, you know, world where it, it, it is now becoming like a social platform rather than just a game. Yeah. Consoles are backwards compatible anyway. So all of these games are on the next generation of consoles. It's just about whether or not they're going to upgrade them to make the most of the extra power and, and IO speeds and all that kind of stuff that they get from the new machines. And I guess actually, yeah. Um, so, you know, visually, sure, sure, that's not a problem. But actually, I guess in terms of other things, they'll change. They probably won't because they don't want to harm pe- the, the, the vast majority of their audiences on the previous machines. It's a bit interesting, actually, because I actually think... I was talking to someone recently about um, the, the Xbox strategy basically of having games that run across and it's like a pc games and stuff like that and the person i was talking to was really disappointed in that and um i thought it makes sound business sense to me but he was disappointed because he always thinks that when a new console comes about that's when you get new stuff that's when games look new and they feel new and they do different things that they couldn't get on the previous machines and he said that doesn't seem to be the case anymore and i know we had that little bit with the xbox reveal the other day and um and i guess we'll, we'll definitely see that won't they with these games that you know gta 5 is going to come out on the next you know makes millions, hundreds of millions, you know, doing a, up, upping the visuals and stuff, but that's not what people want from a, the next Grand Theft Auto or the next console. They want something that you could, they could never have got on uh, Xbox One or PlayStation 4. Or maybe they do, I don't. Well, no, but I think it, it's um, like, it's like a paradigm shift for not just the industry side, but just for the way people play games as well. I mean, it's not... <laughs> So, I mean, uh, we just pulled up an article with an interview with um, the director of Rainbow Six Siege. This was from June last year. And he said, we don't want a sequel whatsoever. The reason behind this is we don't want to segregate. This is referring to a possibility of a new, of, of a sequel being tied to a new generation. So he's talking really about the generational leap. Um, the reason behind this is we don't want to segregate our community between the different platforms. In an ideal world tomorrow, we'd love players from every platform to be able to play together. We're approaching the next gen with this spirit. They also, he also said that they, they don't that they don't want people to have to buy the game again on on the next gen platforms. And I think I did, this is just quoted from an original interview, and I believe the interview was like they they were discussing things like just a small cost increase to kind of buy a new version of the game that takes advantage of the new hardware. But fundamentally, it kind of paints a picture of an industry where the biggest games on the next-gen platforms are going to be the same as the biggest games right now. And that could be the case in two, three years' time. Like, is there going to be a bigger game than Fortnite on PS5 in two years? I mean, I would say no. But, you know, that that's... Or, or you know, or GTA 5 or Rainbow Six Siege, the, the biggest games right now are likely to be the biggest games even when... The, the console exclusives have come out because people just don't play the games the same way as they did back in 2013. It's, um, yeah. very it's, going, it's going to be very interesting to see, and we're going to talk about this here in a moment, you know, what that Unreal 5 demo looked like and kind of what it meant for what games look like in the future. But it's going to be very interesting to see when companies, when, when or if companies decide that it is worth it to try to make games at 
that look like that and that are at that kind of level. One, when they're even able to, because Unreal 5 isn't even out until 2021. But two, when they actually decide it's worth it for them to do so. Because you can, I'm sure you can make a game like that for the PS5 or the Xbox Series X, but the game isn't going to look like that on the PS4. Yeah. But, but, the thing, but, but I think that the question it raises, and I think this was, this is why it was interesting to see these announcements side by side. So you had Fortnite is coming to PlayStation 5, which is a game that can run on a mobile phone and has to be able to run on a mobile phone. A mobile phone players have to be able to play with people who are playing on PlayStation 5. So therefore, PlayStation 5 hardware is completely irrelevant, really, to the way the Fortnite team will go about making their game. At the same time, the company that makes the biggest game on PlayStation, you know, what will be the biggest game on PlayStation 5, Epic, is also showing what its engine can do at this ultra, ultra, ultra high end, which you would never, ever be able to run on a mobile phone, or at least the mobile phone hardware would always be lagging behind. But what Epic wants is not this kind of, what, what Epic's pushing for is this kind of, this, this much flatter industry where everybody plays together and everybody kind of feeds into a central experience, not, weirdly, the thing that we have always associated with this business, which is like pushing the power and pushing the sophistication of things. Like it's, it's, a, it's almost, it almost feels like a glimpse into an old way of thinking about what progress looks like uh, watching that demo. Yeah, I think Fortnite, though, is like very different to... Like, you think about the games that defined this, you know, the games that push the, the bar in this generation. It's not Fortnite. It is Fortnite's Fortnite. The, is the game where everyone comes together. It's no, God of War, right? No, it's, but that, no, it's no, probably no. the last but, of but us that complete, yeah, that, That's not the case. Fortnite pushed it the bar. bar. It pushed the bar. It pushed. Yeah, it, it changed the bar. It changed what was important. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. The, I'm talking about the technical bar. I'm not talking about the overall bar of the industry. These are two different things. This is the. This is the. Like these are two different things. One's a cinematic story. You know, maybe narrative driven, sort of epic, sort of. That was. That's. That's what that. That's what that Jack Taylor was. That looked like. You know, it was Tomb Raider. It was the Naughty Dog game. And then the other thing is. Yeah, these, the Rainbow Six and the Fortnites, which are the biggest games in the world that everyone plays, but those those two things don't don't kill each other. They live in the same platforms, but also you know not as well. Um, they they it, it's they 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 both exist. But I don't, I don't think exist. anyone's saying that one will exist and the other one won't. I think it's more the the point is more that one is increasingly defining the industry more than the other. So what, what you would look to as defining a console platform in 2012 would be a God of War. But now, is that the case this time? Is, it, is what we saw in that Unreal 5, Engine 5 demo really the thing that's going to make a platform fly anymore? I don't know. I mean, it looked amazing. It did look amazing. But like, I also just felt like that's just Tomb Raider with like nice stuff. Yeah. It. <laughs> so. yeah it I will it... say I am curious as to what... Not not the PS5 or the Xbox Series X will do for Fortnite because I think I think you were all correct that that really doesn't matter. I am curious to see what Unreal Five can do for Fortnite and if that is going to make any kind of difference on the, in how the game can be, I guess, changed um, on older older platforms as well as the newer ones. I did I asked Tim Sweeney about that and his his very careful answer was that he is not the person developing Fortnite, which he's correct, but I I, had, I still think that he knows the answer to that question. That is, that um, is the thing I wonder about, because like the, the, when they announced, like, yeah, like, we're going to migrate um, Fortnite to Unreal Engine 5 in, in you know, next year, like there are limits to how much you can migrate it, because you still need to account for the people playing on the Unreal Engine 4-powered version on mobile phones and older platforms. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm intrigued as to what they well, can possibly add, other than, other than kind of flashier visuals for the Unreal Engine 5 version on 
high-end PC, XX, and PS5. Well, James, Unreal Five is compatible with all of those platforms, though. So isn't true. Isn't all all, all the versions are going to be Unreal yeah, Five, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That doesn't that doesn't mean that the mobile phone version is magically going to look like no. the demo we saw, but. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm pre- I, I'd have to go back and look and confirm, but I'm pretty sure that they're upgrading all of the versions because like, you versions. wouldn't have. But then, I don't yeah. know. Uh, you, like you wouldn't have two different. Up- upgrading it to Unreal Engine Five on phones, for example, may well, li- like may well um, uh, impact the the low end of phones and tablets that can use it. So as much as we say, oh, you know, this is a game that can run on mobile. Um, friend of my wife's been trying to find a tablet for her son to play Fortnite on and she's she borrowed a tablet off a friend that wasn't powerful enough his uncle bought him a tablet that wasn't powerful enough like it, it it's not as simple as it runs on any device it can only run on certain devices and it, the more powerful the engine behind it the more things that epic are trying to do with it the more the fewer devices that will run it It'll be absolutely fine on you know current gen consoles, but mobile devices. But I don't think migrating something to Unreal Engine Five means it. That doesn't mean it's gonna. It needs to be more demanding on hardware. Unreal Engine Five will be able to make very very basic games and unbelievably sophisticated games because they migrate over. It doesn't mean they're gonna make everything way way harder to run. Uh, I think what I was saying earlier was kind of that point. It's like it would not make any sense to make Fortnite harder to run. They want to make it easier to run. And actually, no. I think that the mistake we make with engines is, is often, and, and to the point earlier about Unity versus Unreal Engine in this way, like easier to use or whatever, mo- a lot, a great deal of what Epic has done to Unreal Engine since 3 is not, any, is not really as much to do with how good the graphics are. It's to do with how small games can be made with it and the variety of games that can be made with it and how easy it is to develop for and pipelines and... Uh, drag and drop per programming systems and stuff it's is really not so much about this is the most technically sophisticated engine because it's actually not the most uh, the, the, in terms of pushing polygons and stuff that's probably what's still cry engine but i think with unreal engine 5 yes you would the, the demo makes it seem like this is what it's for these amazingly high high res high res worlds and landscapes but i don't think a fortnite migrated unreal engine 5 would look any different to the way it does right now because no fortnite is about bringing everyone from every platform together and anything that happens to stand in the way of that is not something epic would do i don't think but i'm curious as to what capabilities unreal 5 will give the developers of fortnite to quickly change or iterate on the game or just just do do things more quickly or more i guess savvily than that they weren't able to do before that that's what i'm curious about well let's move forward to the tech demo um because this was kind of the 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 centerpiece of epic's announcements um gameplay demo from a a prototype kind of PlayStation 5 title as with all these tech demos it's almost certainly not a real game it's just to give you the impression of what it's like I imagine most people listening have seen it if not it's probably linked to and you're waving at me frantically I'll start that again James I so this is I believe this was a tweet from Matt Kim over at IGN but apparently that demo that we saw like was meant to be playable at GDC like you it it was a playable demo that you were supposedly actually able to get your hands on yeah but not not a commercial game is what I mean no, but oh, someone no. make that game. It was nice. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry. James. I'm pretty sure they That's did. Tomb Raider. Someone's someone's made like ten of that game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> True. I, so, I, yeah, I, it was, 
<laughs> it was this very Tomb Raider-like demo. Um, we saw a lot of kind of very imp- impressive visual effects. It's all this rocky canyon, uh, glistening gold statues. It's it's meant to represent the high end of what is possible with Unreal Engine 5 and AAA games. The reception to it, like obviously a lot of people are impressed. I was absolutely stunned by it. I thought it was amazing. I have seen some kind of, almost not naysayers, but kind of questions. Um, there's the... To begin with, there's the, all the people who think that because the not Lara Croft was squeezing down a crevice um, midway through the demo, she's kind of squeezing between a narrow a narrow gap in the rocks. That famously is a, a technique that developers use to kind of disguise loading times as they as they unload the previous area you've left and then load in the new area you're entering. And the Epic have since claimed, no, we've not. That's not what this is. That's just that was a, a conscious choice to kind of show how good the textures look up close. So it's not to to, to, you know, to disguise loading times. This is partly because uh, Tim Sweeney in another interview said uh, that the world of loading screens is over. Um, the only other someone tweeted about the squeezing through a gap thing once, and I'm sure it's true. But now everybody thinks that literally any time you're squeezing through a gap of any kind, it means that it's masking some kind of loading time. Thing is, I think back to any time I've done it in a game, and it feels like that is how it's used. That, 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 that genuinely, yeah, like every time I can think of that I've done it, that does feel like how it's used. The only other opinion I saw that I, I thought was quite interesting was um, one of your your favourites, uh, Chris Chris Sieval. Uh, developer of Conker's oh, Bad God. Fur Day, or as Chris will insist, the greatest game of all time. Um, no, he said uh, <laughs> he actually replied to our tweet saying that um, AAA teams are going to need to be ten times bigger to make assets for this thing. It's mental. And then later tweeted separately: uh, the Unreal stuff looked amazing, but to be honest, the industry have been creating some amazing tools for artists so that they don't need to have ten billion polygons in the game. I really doubt too many art pipelines are likely to change that much when this miracle engine finally appears. Hmm. And Chris Siebel hasn't made a AAA game since 2002. Um, so I, I, it's, <laughs> oh I, I mean, he's, he's a great he, developer. There's a non-zero chance he listens to this podcast. No, 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 no. He's a, he's a, he makes indie games now. He's, he's him and one other guy. That's what he builds games like. He used to make the games for Rare. So I, so he, I'm, he might be right, but I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and um, uh, and. Um, but I don't know. I think it's that, yeah. The, I mean, whether or not games get to look that good, I don't know. But I got excited about a new console. I've <laughs> not been <laughs> after being somewhat disappointed the week before. Um, I'm, I was quite pleased to see it. I mean, but also it's very telling. It was a PlayStation Five. It was clearly a PlayStation Five thing, right? I looked at that and I thought this is the sort of thing you'd expect at a PlayStation Five conference. It's the sort of game you'd get, like an incredibly unbelievable, um, uh, showy sort of story-based single-player thing it just looked like a playstation 5 game and i could you know the think the focus on the ps5 thing i think was telling and i think that and that was the uh that was the thing for me but i i thought it looked again i was i mean i know i know it's a bit of you know this is the this is what a triple a AAA development team can create in uh you try you won't be able to get that in 30 hours you won't be able to get 30 hours of that probably in a game in the next generation at least not to begin with but um, but that's not the point right like that that isn't the point and i I am not a developer. I don't know how to make games. Um, but my, my understanding... So, for example, the, the Lumens tech, the light tech that they were showing off, the idea behind that, right, is that now you just, like, make a light source and everything kind of reacts to it. Like, you don't you don't have to sit there and make a rock that looks shiny or, like, a, a secret fake light source to make so that people believe that there actually is light shining down and bouncing off things. Like, it just does it for you. And that doesn't 
have to be used only in the kinds of games that we that look like that demo, right? Like that can be used in all kinds of games. And that was sort of the point. And, and there are several other bits of technology that were similar to that in that the whole idea was cutting down the amount of time and work that people had to do. So the idea isn't that all games look like this and everybody can just magically make them in, you know, a year and it's it's very, very easy. But the idea is that all these different things now have these shortcuts that they didn't have before. And that affects everybody who are making games at all different, like, levels of visual niceness i guess or photorealism i guess would be the correct word oh yeah i wasn't proposing that every game needs to look like that i just i was just referring <laughs> to the fact that most games won't um but um which is I, good considering but... your opinions on conquer's bad fur day <laughs> <laughs> i never said conquer's bad fur day is the best game ever um it's really not um it's um it was my most it's the game that got me into this industry that's why i go on about it a lot anyway um the um uh, i just i just i just looked at it and i thought oh that looks that looks different finally i've looked at i've seen something that might not be yeah. possible on what i've got now and will be possible on what i get next and that's it's amazing that you come away from it and it's like in two minutes epic and by extension playstation by making it available on a playstation 5 hardware like epic and playstation in two minutes demonstrated exactly what we wanted from the half an hour xbox event <laughs> last week but it's odd in a way though isn't it because it's, it's very in keeping with sort of sony's very very weird approach to to ramping up hype on on its own next gen offering because this is like the first time we've seen playstation 5 footage and it's not even of an actual game that will ever exist it's of a it's of no, an it's unreal true. engine it's 5 true. tech demo it's, it's so strange so like, is, the first time we heard of their their console it was in like the wall street journal and then there was like an, an article in wired and it's all these very tech focused drip fed little by little you know it's, it's just really it's, it's exactly the way they've been going and i, and I think the um the, the 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 new branding around their first party studios i think i think it was you saying chris that you know it, it just there's this sense that there's a tap that's about to be turned on by sony and they're just going to show us what every single one of their first party studios has been working on since the last time they, they actually announced a really really big triple a game which was like 2017 or something like that that's ghost of tsushima in 2017 was like the last i think yeah. it was like the last big thing oh, they so... actually announced yeah i mean they, they did announce medieval <laughs> since then let's not forget oh medieval, right sorry uh, chris. Right. Yes, <laughs> sorry of, chris in terms of major triple a games in terms of major AAA game, this is their. There was, but I actually, I was quite critical of PlayStation. You may recall in October um, last year, when I, I wrote a piece which I said, "What is going on there?" And I questioned the exact strategy that Matt's brought up there. This weird drip feeding of information, you know. And they carried on. You know, they their big big announcement in January was that we've got the PS5 logo. It's the same as the PS4 logo, but the number five mm -hmm. instead. And the world went mad. And I and I and I and I and I, and I thought to myself, this is weird. Um, but now, and we've seen it firsthand. Like we got the we we revealed the PlayStation Studios branding, and our website went just blew up. And it's it is there is so much anticipation, there is so much expectation now that if PlayStation deliver a good reveal of their games, I think it might even turn out to be the biggest console, uh, biggest even games event would have seen in terms of like announcement event sort of thing. Because there is so much pent up expectation. And I now think, uh, beforehand I thought it was weird behaviour, now I think it's a very deliberate um, tease, very deliberate tease campaign. And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I'm, I like PlayStation, I, I've played PlayStation games for a long time. I'm not a massive PlayStation fanatic, but I'm now really excited about what they're going to do. Because they've, they've not announced games 2017. Mo that's partly because though, 
a lot of their games uh, they announce lots of games well in advance and they like launching was it four three so ghosts last of us part two and dreams they've launched like three games from three of their biggest studios in this year so that's not that they're not everybody's holding back waiting to reveal stuff but i think when they go i think when they then they do show us unless they just show us the launch lineup then it'll be a bit probably a bit boring but if they show us a new spider-man because insomniac gotta be working on that if they show us the next horizon i'm mean, not expecting those games at launch of their next console but i think um oh i bet horizon's like, a launch title hmm? i bet horizon's a launch title i bet it might not be that's where my mind <laughs> <laughs> i bet it might have been at one point okay um, okay but, you know, um, fair fair but it, it, it might be it's been three and a bit years since the last one and um mm-hmm. and yeah but i but regardless i, I it's it's um i think i think there's a lot of pent-up expectation excitement around playstation now um i'm not criticized we caught criticize xbox a little bit but xbox are in a different situation for starters that what they're selling is different playstation's like selling a big thing which has big moments like here's a big launch here's a big game launch whereas um um, Xbox have got to almost tell people about Game Pass and uh, all of these new things they're doing. Um, I can't remember what's it, something delivery, what smart delivery. Smart they've delivery, also, yeah. yeah, they've got to keep saying this is what this is, this is what this is, and it's their new concepts that people haven't quite, you know, some people get and some people don't. Get. I mean, sure, ten million people are in Game Pass, but there's there's a lot more though who aren't, and it's they just need to keep messaging that. That's and they keep true. Messaging that's it over true. And over but, again. but they but they definitely but they definitely did during that you know the the much lamented conference. They, if if they're supposed to to be focusing elsewhere, they're still talking about it as if it's a big new technical leap and stuff. Like they haven't adjusted the way they describe this stuff to suit their new direction. They're talking about it the way the way they they would have talked about the Xbox 360. It's like get hype for these you know these games that <laughs> look like they were made five years ago. Like it's just a really really odd thing. I actually think what they really did was they they did the second thing first and the first thing second. I think this is actually super smart from Sony. I think like this is like probably the best way to debut the first gameplay footage of, of PlayStation because it shows something really impressive that couldn't be done on current tech but doesn't show your hand whatsoever with so but just leaves you with all of your surprises still in store still to do whereas Xbox I guess wanted more time before they revealed their first party stuff so they did third party stuff but that just ended up being a little bit of a damp squib because you know it's third party none of this stuff is going to be pushing the hardware so what they, what Sony's done is got a company whose business it is to push hardware to push their hardware and still have all their first party stuff in reserve it's, it's a way smarter way of doing things than, than Xbox going third party first first party second that's until the actual PlayStation 5 reveal and we see this exact same demo but with uh, the girl swapped out for Aloy or one of the, the female characters from Uncharted it's like here you go surprise Uncharted 5 it's interesting to see Epic sort of selling an ecosystem and Xbox, Microsoft selling services, effectively, and then Sony is selling a console. That is what they're doing. They're selling a console and the software that goes with it. And I think, I think if you had asked me, you know, I don't know, six months ago, like late last year, I would have been like, yeah, I don't know that Sony's approach is the right one, right? Like, are we moving on into this era where just selling the next upgrade of a new console is really sufficient? But after, you're exactly right, Chris, after seeing kind of the reaction to literally just the PS4 logo, but with a five instead of a four, um, and then the the PlayStation Studios announcement and things like, and then this, I I think maybe they got something here. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe people just want a nice new console. They have 110 million fans who haven't been shown anything for three years. They are 
they want you can tell the delay of last of us to part two and the reaction to that was pretty nasty and i think that's because they've got a lot of frustrated fans they've they've they've, they've locked in a cage and not fed for a while yes yeah, so, um, so they've but either, I think when it, but they've either managed this exactly right or they've set everybody up for massive disappointment when they when they re- reveal that they haven't got a single one of their big games ready for in time for launch or something you know what i mean like i i feel excited about ps5 now but because I'm I'm now more confident that the reason we haven't heard anything in three years is because they're saving it all up for like unrele you know un- releasing the valve and letting all of that all of that goodness out. But what what if that's not the case? What if what if they just yeah they, if they just yeah. show like a a software presentation yeah, 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 yeah. and it's you know like maybe one big game and then just a bunch of third party titles like that would we know would have been on it yeah, anyway. Yeah, like it's so it's, so, it's so hard to say, but I think. I think it speaks to the fact that we all kind of desperately want, you know, the the, the potential of this to actually deliver. And um, when, when do we think that the first party reveals are going to be? Again, for both, aren't they both around the same time? Uh, Xbox is July. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we know what Sony's with yet. Sony's, um, I believe, is soon. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we expect. Yeah. Sometime in the next few months, yeah. yeah During yeah. Uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer of Gaming, I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe. But then, it, the, um, then it's perfectly possible that, that Epic will have the biggest game on both Xbox and PlayStation 5 and also make the technology that literally every game on both systems yeah. uses as well. So who's to say? We do know a little bit about what we get. The thing is with Xbox, though, is like, what games are we going to get first party from them? And it's like, well, we're going to get Forza, right? We're going to get Halo. We're going to get Fable. We're going to get Perfect Dark. I mean, there's certain games that we know are, or, or heard about, or rumoured that are being worked on. Um, and so it's just, um, I, I think, I think, I think we're looking to see what those games look like. And the truth is, they're going to look like Xbox One games that have been made fancier. And I think, I think there's going to be a, there might be a harder sell. We'll see. Maybe it depends. So Microsoft, I, I, Microsoft hasn't quite had the same problem as Sony because they have released things in the last few years. But Microsoft does have all these studios that it gobbled up a couple years back, um, and all these first-party studios now that have all been working on things, presumably for this new console. And yes, they will also be on the Xbox One at the same time. But it, I have a feeling that when they do their big first party reveal that there there is you know whether it was a good idea or not they did separate it out from the third party stuff that they wanted to show and i have a feeling that their first party reveal will be somewhat exciting because it's going to be just a series of things that all of their internal studios have been working on for the last several years yeah and although xbox have announced stuff on they actually haven't released a lot of their big studios haven't released the game for a while like it's been a while since yeah um and so you know i mean yes gear it's a new gears game but three four three haven't done anything in ages so we know there's a new halo but that's been in development for donkeys and then you've got um and then you've got uh, uh then you've got you know my favorite rare they're working on Everwild, so they'll have they'll have something to finally show us there and so there's there's quite a few and then there's that fable game that playground isn't making um there's that, whatever um, the thing is that uh the that ninja theory is making right well, they're doing hellblade 2 aren't they too. yeah well i think um, i think with those yeah. that with those acquisitions it's whether or not um there's been enough time since those acquisitions were made for those games to be ready uh, for the first, say, six months of the new console. Like, I think I think their first party thing's going to be packed. 
I don't know that it's going to be packed with things coming out in the first year of the console or not. Like, I don't know if Obsidian will have a new game, probably, and it will probably look amazing. But is it coming in twenty end of 2020, early 2021? I doubt it. because It's I, going to be a lot of 2021s, yeah. and then when we actually get into 2021s, it's going to be a lot of late 2021s, and then there's going to maybe be some delays. But the same could be true of Sony as well. I think, I think oh, Sony, yeah. Sony has the potential to be the one that actually does have three or four really great-looking uh, games that, that push the hardware ready to go. Because they aren't... They weren't kind of catching up on the first party stuff. Microsoft played catch up, made some really interesting acquisitions, but these are those are only you know two three years old, and, and the jury's out on whether or not that's enough time to get a new game ready. I mean, are you guys are expecting more than me? I think I'm expecting Halo and uh, and Forza from <clears throat> Xbox, um, and that's all they need. You know, the two of their biggest brands, and I kind of expect a knack, maybe not knack, but a knack and a. Uh, and uh, I don't know, Crocs like, uh, like I don't know, a, a Gran Turismo. I mean, do you remember Polyphony? Do you remember when they used to release games? Something, yeah. something from them, um, something like that. And, and that will be what we get this Christmas, this side of Christmas. And when, when you're when you're launching a console, like, I, th- I think the thing is, you it's easy to look back at launch lineups in hindsight and remember how many you know, the, the, the number of games that came out in the first year or the number of games that were available around thanks to third parties but when you look at like first parties I, and correct me if I'm wrong on this first parties usually only have two maybe three titles at launch of a brand new machine so with Sony we'll probably get yeah might get a Gran Turismo to kind of show off the visuals uh, Knack 3 Croc 3 sort of thing um, maybe Horizon Zero Dawn Just 2 that would be amazing Blue Point's making a remake of something it's probably Demon Souls okay <laughs> but like but the the the, the launch lineups will be and yeah Xbox will be just Halo and Forza you're right like the, the launch lineups will be bulked up by that and particularly this generation with the, the backwards compatibility the launch lineups are going to be bulked up by the fact that we've got Cyberpunk Watch Dogs Legion Assassin's Creed Valhalla Square, Square Enix Marvel's Avengers like these all these games have got pushed to the end of the year like those are going to be the games that are on launch lineups and and you'll just have one or two tentpole ones from the platform holders. I mean, Nintendo managed it with um, the Switch. Breath of the Wild was the only game worth buying on the Switch for the first good few months. All right, Mario Kart 8 came out like a month or two later, and that's kind of a cheat because it's a port from a oh, previous you didn't system. Like one two Switch James? So, no, it's rubbish. No, <laughs> but like after after Zelda, the next big first party original for Switch title that that you know pushed the hardware and, and drew in people was Mario Odyssey and that was not for what another six months Splatoon so two. I wonder if we're going to see the same with PS5 and their Xbox Series X yeah so all Microsoft and all, all Xbox and Playstation need to do is make one of the greatest games of all time and uh, they can oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's all they need to do and they're fine <laughs> <laughs> and also retroactively have completely legendary IP like Zelda you know that's Simple. And James, it was yeah. Splatoon 2 that was the next game they did. Splatoon 2. And Arms. Yes, I did forget Splatoon 2. I'm so sorry. No, but I think, yeah, I think Chris is right, though. Like, I, I think one or two IP a piece uh, that, that people can rely on or, or, or find familiar It's probably all you need, and particularly circling back to what we were talking about earlier, because, you know, if, if, if 80% of your playtime is spent playing Fortnite or Rainbow Six or GTA Online and all of these games are present and correct, then maybe you do only need one or two new things to, to make you upgrade. Um, yeah, yeah, let's be honest. I'm going to get Xbox Series X and I'm going to play Sea of Thieves. Yes, that is true. What if they did, so what if they did announce like a Conqueror's Bad for, for a day for PS5? 
Did you get it? It would be a t- the PS5. That would be a. T- I would be surprised. Um, but um, if they announced, it, if they announced it for Xbox. I would. Um, I would think that's probably a bad decision. Um, if you ever play Conker's Bad Fur Day now, that game um, a hasn't aged very well. Uh, Conker. Both Conker games were released right at the end of their console cycle. So they were released at the end of the N64 and the end of the Xbox. And as a result of that, nobody really bought them. Um, and um, they've got cult followings. And they were really funny and inventive at the time. Um, but uh, they're very not. They they wouldn't get through. Uh, um, they wouldn't. They'd be criticised today for their uh, for their uh, uh, jokes, shall we say? Um, <clears throat> but it's. Um, I definitely need to wrap this it, up now. Um, we're going to be back next Monday with your usual news discussion. And Rebecca <laughs> and I are working on a couple of uh, special kind of series of podcasts you'll have more information on that soon i think we're going to launch the first one in the next couple of weeks so keep your eyes peeled for that you can get this podcast obviously on your podcasting platform of choice if you aren't already and you can get your daily dose of news insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz 